For the Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D A L E Y review.com. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the 17th episode of the fourth season of NBC's This Is Us. This one is called After the Fire. This was an episode that I think a lot of people were probably looking forward to in some way because it had the what if Jack lived scenario. We had seen a glimpse of it in an episode last season, if I recall, but it wasn't quite as invested as this. It was just more like a a daydream or or something. I can't remember the exact context. I think it was the if if they had been married and renewing their vows thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. That was the little glimpse that we got. So we got to see them as like an older couple together. Yeah, but that was it. That was it. That was it. This, Randall has been challenged to create a story by his therapist of what would have happened in his life had Jack lived. And in the writing world, whenever you portray your favorite character as kind of a stand-in for you, the author... That is infallible. Like they have all the superpowers, all the money, all the friends. They are called a Mary Sue. Oh, I did not know that. And he turned Jack into his Mary Sue, <laughs> essentially. Right? Well, and I would even say he turned himself into a Mary Sue because mm-hmm. he's the one that saves everybody and fixes everything and brings it all together. If his dad had lived, he would have been better at saving things. Essentially. Yeah, because I think it would have like given him the confidence that he could save things, right? Yeah. I mean, because it worked with intervening with Jack. So let's talk about this a little bit. I mean, first of all, have you ever had a situation where you've stopped and thought or maybe even repeatedly thought what would have happened if things had gone differently? Yes, I very much do have those moments. They were more frequent. I would say when the kids were younger, that was a big I guess a why in our life, a, a fork in, in our life in terms of how the plan was to go and how things did go. And so I would say back then, I would have had those more frequently than I do now. But yes, I, I totally understand what he's, where he's coming from. Do you from. ever think about them, whether, or, or is, the, is the life that you think you would have led always great and perfect or do you ever have any moments where you actually say you know what I don't think that would have turned out as well as it actually has there are certain relationships that we have now that we would not have Mm -hmm. if uh, things had gone differently but on the other hand we would have different relationships we'd have different circumstances I don't know that having healthy kids would have made our lives better I mean might have complicated certain things in, in other ways that we don't have I think about it actually a lot and I have thought about it over the years a lot. And one of the things I think about for my own self, how much having kids that have challenges has changed me. I would have personally been a parent who would have been very hard on our kids about grades and about sports and being competitive. And I know for a fact I would have turned into some sort of tiger mom had we had perfect, healthy children, you know, who could do Mm -hmm. everything. I think I would have been like, achieve more, do more, be more, you know. 
having the kiddos that we have slowed me down and made me appreciate every little thing in life. You know, I definitely feel like I go into Walmart and when I see parents yelling at kids um, over the littlest things, I mean, instantly my heart is just like, you know, nah, that's not that, that's not a thing, bro. You know, like, like you just people are too fragile. Life is too fragile. I, I have such compassion. I'm able to go so much slower and what I thought equaled success in life feels like I've learned very different lessons. And so even though there's parts to our lives that are very complicated, for those of you guys who don't listen to us on a regular basis, we have twin girls who were preemies at 23 weeks. And then right behind them, we had a son, Jack, and uh, we still have him. Uh, so <laughs> we have all of them. And at the time of all of those things, I mean, having a third baby after the twins seemed insane, but it was the best thing ever because our eldest daughter is deafblind and she can't really be the twin that our second daughter really wants in her life. And there was Jack to, to step into that role and be her close-knit buddy. It was the best thing ever for her and for us to to feel like we had this third little guy who was, had so much energy and so much happiness and joy and that really just brought like so much to the girls. So there's so many parts to that that feel like, why did it happen like that? Um, and then of course, to have the challenges that we have in our lives, I think that it's natural to think that way, but I do temper myself and think life would not have been perfect, hardly. I think that there would have been completely different challenges. And I think I would have been a hard ass. My personality would have been completely different than it is. And a lot of people, I think, compliment my compassion and empathy. So it kind of unfolded the way it was supposed to for me personally. Now, I don't know how our children would say about <laughs> all of that. But for me, my parenting experience has been one of a lot of personal growth for myself. Do you relate to that at all? Oh, only insofar as that I agree that I'm probably a better person having been the father of this family than I would have been with three other kids. In my Doctor Strange evaluation of all uh -huh. available realities. And why do you think that? What, what, what brings you to that conclusion? I never really thought about special needs or other people's needs or differences or that kind of thing before I was forced to. And I consider that kind of normal, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not. But I think turning your life onto those subjects and thinking about them deeply and needing to act on them for the welfare of another person just necessarily changes you for the better. Yeah. You, you can't be a worse person after... After, after advocating for someone stuff. else's needs, for sure. Right. And I think that that's, you know, I know that a lot of families break apart and can't stand the stress of it. And, and that's understandable completely. But I don't even think even in those circumstances that they're necessarily worse off for having gone through some of the experiences. And like, you know, every family is different. But I will just say for our own family, I think that you're right. It's, it's made us quicker to help other people, quicker to advocate for other people, quicker to see something and say, hey, that's not right. That's that's not fair what you're doing over here. You know, and I don't know that I would have done that before. There's a moment sort of like that in terms of like rightness, wrongness, right, that occurs in both of Randall's narratives. The moment that is pivotal to his life uh, is when he finds out about William. You know, this is one of the things that I appreciate a lot about this episode is that we get to see both Jack and William fully throughout this episode, which as a as a you know longtime viewer, that's something that's like, oh, right. Like we get to see both of these guys. 
it was really good to see William back. And it was great to see how there's like a time and a place for things. You know, mm-hmm. Randall's in Randall's ideal situation, he would have met William. William would have welcomed him with open arms and they would have just found this magical relationship. And maybe even the presence, it, se- it sounds like. They didn't make it explicit, but it sounds like the presence of Randall in his life would have been enough for him to get off drugs. Yeah, or he seemed like he already was or something. I'm not really even sure. I well, mean, he had the shakes and some little signs that made that made him... That in made, the ideal scenario? Yeah. Because that's okay. on the ride home. Uh, Randall says, I'd like to hang out more with that guy. Oh, that's and right. Jack and says, like, mm-hmm. I don't want you hanging out with an addict. And, and Randall's like, but you're an addict. What do you think about that line? I thought it was delivered with as much honesty and lack of malice that you could deliver that kind of line to someone else. He he did not mean it as a gotcha. He just meant it as a... Reality check. Basically. Like I live with an addict. He, he did not throw it at his dad. You know, he was, yeah. he was more like he handed it to him like, but... Here's the mirror, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I mean, I think that obviously in the in the scenario where the therapist asked like, well, what what could have gone, you know, wrong? What would you have worried about? And instead, William rejects him, pushes back, says, "No, I don't know him. You know, this isn't a thing." And then later, oh god, when he gets delivered the box of William's stuff, and he just looks through it for like a millisecond, he's walking down the hall. I felt like when he picked up the hat and he was still in his office and he looked at it, and he put it back in. My heart was like, oh, shit, he's going to throw this box away. I don't know what told me that because there wasn't anything obvious. But then when he's walking down the hall and it's, it's just balancing on that one hand, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's going in that trash can. But when it fell in, oh, my God, Paul, my heart just sank. That was uh, Bizarro Randall, Cock of the Walk Randall, something along those lines, Randall. So other sections of the of the ideal versus, I don't know, would you say that the other scenario is more likely or is it just like things how like how would you best describe like you have ideal what would you title the other life well there was a a marked turn towards selfishness really sure but like i think i'm thinking like specifically like take the jack and rebecca example yeah and the ideal one jack supports rebecca understands why she did it is right there for randall and everything goes great in the other scenario which i'm not sure what to call yet Jack doesn't respond in a way that is unbelievable or unrealistic or out of line or inappropriate. He feels hurt and betrayed that she's kept the secret from him for 19 years. And the focus is far more on how her doing this has really screwed up them. And now in turn, Randall, you know, is having a horrible time trusting them and and breaks the relationship between them two. So I wouldn't call that like selfishness. You know, it's, it's just like a... I'm not sure, like, how would you categorize that different response? It's not dystopian, exactly. No, it's just, it's it's just, it's like an alternate reality where people's responses are not exactly what you hoped they would have been. And that kind of like goes across the whole board, you know? Well, yeah, like the, the decision to go to Howard. Right. As opposed to Carnegie Mellon means no Beth, means no daughters. And apparently it means to him infidelity like crazy. Well, I mean, I don't. I think he was a single man. I don't think he was married or anything. So I think he was just well, he fooling brought, around. Well, but he brought that woman to... He said it was his, his TA. But he was lying. He was... Because she had said that she'd been with him for two years. So he just didn't want to tell Kevin any details about his life. Mm, okay. I'll go with you on that. 
So you're you're saying infidelity on that? I mean, I was just saying like he was just somebody who just they might not have been married, but I mean, two years around. is serious enough, and they and they were old enough. Another thing that they touch on in all realities is the quote unquote first dinner home from college. Yeah, that's different. The first version is very similar to reality, where Beth brings the hot sauce. Instead of the awkwardness of bringing up dead dads, Jack actually uses the hot sauce. (laughs) Would you use the hot sauce? I don't know. Yes, probably. Because it seems like the kind of thing that it would be rude to not. You know, it's like if someone brings you a bottle of wine, you should open it and drink it with the meal that you're having. That's appropriate, you know, because because likely they like it too. So it's something that they probably, like I have a friend whose stepdad carries around his own hot sauce and I mean, he doesn't bring it for the joy of everyone else, but he wants it there. And so this is like another way to have it there, you know? This isn't like his hot sauce. She just, right. she just stopped at the store. She just stocked up on, on the it, way to the dinner. Right. Well, she said she has a stock of it, like that she keeps it. And when she goes to new places, she brings it with and. I think, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, what a kind of a comfort for her in terms of like, it's like your dad's coming with you everywhere you go then, you know, and you have a way to kind of talk about him and it's comfortable. And so, yeah, I mean, I would, I'm not a hot sauce girl, but I probably would be like, thank you so much. And like put some on my plate and be like, mm-hmm. just because it's like the mannerly thing to do, right? Yeah. In this version also, there's the idea of how he's handling Rebecca following the reveal, right? The big William reveal. Right. And so this is another scenario where it's not like one is selfish and or one is right and one is wrong, you know, or one is better and one is worse. It's like he just has two different reactions. One is forgiving her and moving along. And one is he gives into the hurt side and like just can't forgive her, can't move on. It tries, you know, shows up at that family dinner, but just can't pretend like he's not hurt. And so that's the interesting thing about these two timelines and why I think it was actually effective because neither of them are unrealistic in individual scenarios. It's probably unrealistic for that first that first storyline to be ideal all the way through. I mean, that's like every single person has the most ideal response to you for your whole life, you know? Well, and actually Beth in that scene he views her needing to straighten him out as a positive thing. Otherwise, if you were writing your own perfect life, wouldn't you automatically get everything right? Probably. But instead, he has it so that Beth needs to say, forgive your mom already. This dinner is freaking awkward. Now get back out there and, and be nice. Okay. I think that's interesting that he's, he's authoring his perfect world and it includes the strong wife that is like, yeah. act right. Yeah. Yeah, like being kept honest. Yeah, about things. Yeah, I think that that's completely true. Where because because uh, because the flip side is the other life. He's like you said, like not being very honest in what he's doing with in his love life part. Mm-hmm. In theory, right? We think he is probably being pretty shady. Uh, yeah, for sure, definitely. I think it's really important to touch upon the idea that this is not like wrong and right, because I think that there's parts to this like saying, well, him going to Howard and joining a fraternity and having this clear, strong like brotherhood and everything was wrong. If you say wrong, right, you know, Hmm. and so it's important to say that that wasn't wrong. Like there was nothing wrong about that choice, but it did lead him to not meet Beth someone who keeps him in check. And then you kind of tumble down the dominoes from there of like, what Mm -hmm. happens next? What happens next? That's what makes the second timeline interesting because it wasn't just a series of gaffes that happen, 
you know, in the other timeline. It's more like small changes that ripple out to these other unintended consequences that turned out to be worse off for him. For him. But for some reason, he imagined that everybody else was actually okay in some... And and actually better. Right. Not just okay, better. Kate had looked like twins and a different husband than Toby, but she had had the twins earlier in her life than the point when the imagination uh, was was portraying. And she she definitely seemed happy, happy with Ethan, happy with her life. She was very smiley. Everything was good. Obviously, Kevin and Sophie wait until they're much more adults before they get married, which implies that they were still going strong all these years and everything was good. But they do get married. And, and they do get married. You could argue that Kevin, although he's probably not a millionaire in his current life, that searching for purpose that he has in the life for the rest of the show might have been sorted out, you know, working with dad, being part of this company, building it up, being responsible for the success of this company and the employees and all that kind of stuff. You could argue that Kevin's life, although he's not a millionaire and famous, is better than it is otherwise. So super interesting that in that case, he looks at himself as being not doing well at all, but somehow his siblings just rise up and we're, we're doing much, much better. They were. They were. But dad still is a functioning alcoholic by the looks of things, right? Because by the time that the narrative picks up after the fire, he would have been to AA and that would have been all out in the family and all that. But then he decides to start drinking in front of the family anyway. Yeah, it was kind of sad. When when I saw the two beer bottles on the, on the dining room table, I was like, oh, that's not just drinking. That's not just having something to drink with dinner. That's yeah. drinking, you know? And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's not good at all. That's a different thing. Yeah, that is a different thing. <laughs> yeah, this is not Christmas Eve dinner. You don't need to bring all the drinks to your seat. <laughs> In case you guys don't know, I'm Lithuanian. You're not allowed to get up during a Christmas Eve dinner. So you bring like five drinks to your seat, even though that's completely unreasonable and no one needs that many drinks. <laughs> but we all do it. Also, another thing that occurs in both stories is the emergence of Rebecca's memory problems. Yes. Do you think it's significant that in both timelines, he's involved with sorting out Rebecca's memory? Jack finds it first, but... Right, but he goes to Randall even as like, listen, this stuff's going on. Like he's told about it like kind of properly. To me, that reflects on his perception that the whole family is still glued together by him, even in the less awesome version of reality. Even though he's taken himself out, he's still somehow sucked back in. Right? Yeah. And that, yeah, that he is an important part and that he's a pivotal role in the family, even, right, even when he's not like day to day important in the same way. Mm-hmm. I feel like even in the worst version of his life, he still protects his mom. He still, you know, makes up with her. He still fixes everything with her. And in both variations, he seems to be still very close to Jack in both, both the ideal and even drinking Jack. He still seems to be close with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he doesn't come around the house and he doesn't and we get all that. But he still seems like when Jack stands up, when Randall's going to leave and he's like, sorry, dad, like I can't. But like he like takes a moment, and explains it to him. You know, he doesn't just take off. It is interesting how he portrays his parents in both scenarios, or I should say his relationship with his parents and both scenarios. They're both actually still strong, you know, and good. I'm really. Very curious about 
the guts of the story, the, the like the drivers behind the scenes in the like the writing room about how they came up with drinking Jack, like how he went from on the wagon to finding out this bad news from Rebecca that she'd been keeping a secret for a really long time, mm-hmm. extrapolating that out to being like, well, that's enough that he'll fall off the wagon. I think that Rebecca has been his cornerstone. She's the reason why he gets clean. She's he's she's the reason why he doesn't rob that bar that night, you know? And so when their relationship is rocked, when they don't have that feeling anymore, I think that he just does what he wants, you know? And he's and he's so pissed at her and so hurt by her that he's just pouring beer into an empty hole, you know, a void in there. So I didn't find it unbelievable in the least. I think that it's exactly how shit goes down. He wasn't healed. He was just getting along with her support. Hmm. And so when you take the support out, there was no part of him that like wasn't wanting to drink. Chronologically, this is not that far removed from her needing to go get him from Miguel's house and bring him back home. Right, right. All along our podcast... We have been calling out the show for not giving Rebecca as much anything as all of the other characters. And I think maybe the writers and producers maybe heard us or others like us. Okay. And gave it to the therapist to say, you came here to talk about a fight that you had with your brother about your mom's treatment, but instead you've you've spent all this time creating a story about how things would have turned out with your dad. But it's really all about your mom. Do you think that that it's true? Has it always been all about his mom or or not? Or is that just like, well, at this stage of the game, since she needs treatment, yes, it's all about her, but... He identified the wrong fork in his life as being truly significant to him. It is the moment when Rebecca decides to tell him about William. That's so only like four years ago. Well, the fact that she had she could have made that 20 years ago and, and didn't. Mm-hmm. Since that appears in both timelines, I got to go with that's actually his defining parental moment. Significant as Jack's dying was the William stuff, I think, is, is really is really the more important thing. What do you think? I don't know that the William stuff was more important, but I think it was the idea that he could have done something for William had someone been there for William earlier. And the only person that was determining that timeline was Rebecca. So then in that case, it's like if someone caught that stomach cancer sooner, William yeah. would still be here and it would be it would have been okay. Writing off a fire like that, you can't. I mean, it did happen, but he also had a living father that whole time. Right. You know what? That I'm I'm actually a little surprised and that could have played into this would have been the idea of why wasn't Randall mad at Rebecca for not calling Jack down off the roof? I mean, like, get your ass off the roof. Like, serious. Why does he get leave her off the hook? And it's like on him to have created this this drama so that dad would have jumped back off the roof and come down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, she's the other adult, and she has more pull with dad than anybody in theory, right? So how come no one blames mom for not yelling at Jack to get the fuck off the roof? Because... Is that weird? Maybe, I mean... Maybe because I just would personally never think one of our children should blame themselves for you doing something if I was standing right there and could have been the one to say... Paul, no, that's not what's going to happen. Get off the roof. Fundamentally, I mean, in the back of your mind, you've got to know that that holding someone responsible for not yelling at another person 
ultimately that person made their choice, right? And was it a lack of yelling at them that, that, that drove it one way or the other? Well, if you want me to be like blunt AF, I would say this. I would probably look at the kid that was crying about the dog and look them in the face and say, shut up. That's your father. Your father's more important than your dog. Jack, get down here. That's how that shit would have gone down. I would have probably like yanked Kate's hair and been like, you fucking shut up. Shut up. Like you are being a whiny bitch when your father is up there and could die. Like, are you kidding me right now? There's like no part of me that wouldn't have like gone ape shit on that situation. And it would not have been ah, crying across the street. Like, fuck that. You, I would have been climbing up the side of the roof, yanking on your pant legs saying, get the fuck off the roof. Like, I wouldn't let you go back in. And so you can say it's your choice. Sure. Sure. It's the toddler's choice to go wandering into the pool or whatever. You know, mm. if anyone is around that could have grabbed anyone's arm. You know, I just saw this past week where there was like three like teenagers who saw a guy starting to jump off of a bridge and they held onto his body and wouldn't allow him to do it. And it was like one of those things like, were they responsible? No. But if you can stop someone, if you can physically stop somebody, aren't you somewhat obligated to try to do that? She, Rebecca did not try. She couldn't physically stop him. I'm telling you, I would have scurried up that drain pipe. I would have physically thrown your ass off the roof. I mean, it's not even a conversation that would have happened. Okay, but oh, I don't know that blaming her for not scurrying is, is okay. I am. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like it sucks that Randall views that scenario as it's on his shoulders versus He views all of these scenarios as But if on I was going to have resentment towards mom, I'm telling you like there would be two points in my life. My first point would be resenting mom for not doing more to get dad off the roof. And then my second scenario would be resenting mom for keeping my other dad from me. Like but hmm. I think I would have happened both ways for me. Now, you sound like you would be much more forgiving of Rebecca and cool beans that you're going to go across the street. But I feel like if you looked at me and you saw my face screaming at you, and I mean like saying the words, looking at your face, you would not have gone back in that house. There is no amount about that dog. You don't. You think you would have? You'd be like, meh, whatever, Caroline. I mean, I'm thinking about my dogs. Bullshit. I love Maisie and I love Winnie, but uh-uh. There's no way. There's no way. Man. I would just open the damn doors. I would open the front door and I would have been like, come outside. <laughs> but I would not. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. You're like, pooch. Yeah. Get out of the fire. Basically, yeah. I mean, and I would stand near near enough that like if the dog come out on the roof, I'd catch it, you know? But like, no, no, no. You scare me if you're talking like this. Because I'm like, really? For real? You're going back in after the dogs? No. Moving on. <laughs> Did you expect Randall to come home and tell Beth this revelation? Yeah, I mean, because he came home and, and said, I'm, I don't want to do therapy anymore. So it seems like there's a designated therapy check-in moment mm. uh, in, in their household. So yeah, Beth is, until she's not on the team, she's still on the team. You never can tell with Randall. Did you, you like Beth's response of being all like, I could have told you that. <laughs> How much are we paying this lady? As real as that answer is, some of those answers have to come f from a third party. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
I agree with you. And I, I like that they had Beth say that she was very proud of him. I think that that was a good closure to like a pretty emotional episode for, for all of us. You know, I mean, I feel like all of us were like, we're very proud of you too, Randall. Like that was hard. You know, that was hard to talk through that scenario and hard to like analyze yourself and realize that you have a good side of you, but you also have the side who would have slept around with people given a different scenario. Like mm. it's good that you're that self-aware that it's it's very easy to kind of swing either direction, you know, for anybody. I was proud of him up until. Well, let's get into this because I saw this coming. You know, I told you, I said, I feel like he is going to strong arm her and that is going to piss off Kate and Kevin, this scenario, they just layered it on, Paul. I mean, it was like family game night. Yeah. It was Rebecca's turn. You know, everybody's just having such a good time. The baby's like, dee dee papa, like playing and doing stuff. <sighs> Paul, this conversation from Randall, was it fair? Is it realistic? Are you allowed to do this to somebody else? No. No, I mean, this This is what they call a low blow. It's one you can't really protect yourself from, so it gets through and it hurts badly. Do it, you feel like- It's dirty, dirty fighting. Rebecca had every right to make her own personal decision, or should she have taken into account what Randall's concerns were, especially the line of, I've lost three parents and I can't lose another one. That one like stabbed me in the heart because for a lot of people, they, they won't experience that. You know, two parents is it. So to, to double that pain and say four people I've loved, you know, and care about so deeply, maybe his biological mom, not so much, right? She's right. just a part of the mix, but not really. But you know what I mean? Like it did really compound the grief for me when he pointed it out like that. I still thought it was all dirty fighting. It was, there's ways to influence someone without needing to draw from certain wells because it's not regarded as fair game. If you use it, then you're kind of a piece of shit. Well, I wonder where the, okay, so where's the line? Like, so was he allowed to be like, mom, I really care about you. And I, I just, I really think this child's good for you. Like that part's okay. That's fine. Yeah. It's, it's so the part, where do we cross the line? What, when did, when were you like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, it's that part where I guess at some point after finding out about William, after finding out that Rebecca had been keeping it from him, he had reconciled, come to a way of thinking about her and dealing with her that had acted like he had forgiven her. I guess the dirty part is where you say, you know that thing that that I forgave you for? Not really. No. Mm, And you owe me. Basically, yeah. You owe me. That and, and I think the line of like, I've been a good son. Like, you just keep saying that. Like, I've been a good son. I haven't done anything wrong. Like, and and to be like, I'm asking you to be what Randall perceives to be a good mom. I've always been a good son. Can you say you've always been a good mom? And of course, she's going to think in her head, no. You know, I betrayed you. I I didn't do the right thing all the time. You know, whatever. And so you can like dangle that like, "Mm," you know, I've taken care of you, you know? Yeah. This was rough. This was really rough. And I understand wholeheartedly, especially when Rebecca looks over at Kevin and Kate and especially baby Jack and is realizing like this clinical trial is is a huge, huge deal. But man, Randall just just lays it out there. And you know what the most like scary part of that thing was for me? I know that Randall had a deep sense of relief when Rebecca said, okay, she'd go. The idea that all the weight on his shoulders just kind of like fell off and he felt like he had been successful 
And we all know there ain't no fucking way she's going to this trial. Although I have four scenarios, Paul, of what could go on. But we know that something's going to go awry here. We know that. There was something about watching him feel relieved that felt like the biggest setup for the biggest fall ever. I wonder if there's going to be a way to set up the reveal in a way that doesn't betray Rebecca, you know, as a character. That doesn't make her seem like a doddering old woman who says something like, well, he was mean to me or whatever she's going to say. I hope there's some other way that it, that it comes out that it doesn't diminish her. So, okay, so let's talk it through. So here's my four scenarios, Paul. My, my question was, do we get all the way to St. Louis? Is this really going to happen? So one, I have that she's going to bail even before the clinical trial. She doesn't even go to St. Louis. She tells Kevin and Kate, she doesn't want to go. Like she's crying when she's packing or something. And they're like, mom, what's wrong? She's like, I don't want to do this. And they're like, you don't have to do this. And she's like, but I do. And they're like, why? And she's like, Randall. And it's like, ah, a whole thing, right? Yeah. So then they step forward to protect her and it becomes like a us them thing. Two, she goes to St. Louis, but she only gets somewhat into the program and she quits and she begs either Kevin or Kate to come and get her. And then that same scenario unravels, right? Like, why'd you come in the first place if you didn't want to come? Well, Randall, right? Right. Same. Third, the clinical trial doesn't do anything and she ends up losing nine months and perhaps even gets worse just to have she would have been over the nine months. Not that the trial made her worse, but they just lost time with her. And then what have you know, you have the fallout of that. Fourth, clinical trial actually has a side effect that speeds along her, her disease somehow that makes her infinitely worse. And then you have Randall, why'd you make her go? I think that, to be honest with you, I think it could be a scenario where she does come home and then Randall comes storming all in. Like, you told me you would go. Like, pulls back the curtain on himself. Mm. You promised me you would go. You said you would go. I'm your good son. You said you would go. And then Kevin and Kate are like, what? You know, over here, like, what are you talking about? You like strong hard mom to go. I could see all of that happening. That would be an acceptable, acceptable way. Because, well, couldn't you see him coming in like a bull? Like, what the fuck? Why are you leaving? Like, maybe calling up to check on his mom. Ready? Listen to this. Calls up, check on his mom, going to come up there, and they say... Oh, she never checked in. Or she's checked herself out. Mm-hmm. One of those things. See, the ultimate is her getting all the way to the trial and being settled in, and him, again, having that really settled heart that, like, I did it. Because then for it to be taken away, again, when you have to imagine how far this fall is supposed to be and how hard he's supposed to land... That would do it. You have to get to the point of being extremely happy with what's going on in order to get like completely knocked to the ground. I was just so surprised that his interpretation of therapy and learning and bettering yourself was now I feel comfortable strong arming my mom. Good call on that because so you think that therapy should leave you in more of a peaceful state and willing to get along with others? <laughs> yes. No, no. I was trying to think of like what gave him the gusto to actually make that call. Was it that the therapy revealed that it was his mom who he had the biggest issue with, the the one where the, the heartache was coming from? And so then I guess if you extrapolated that out, well, if she's my heartache, she's my weak point, well, then I have to do something to be able to resolve that, to have her not just die and have this be the situation, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess that's why you go into full blow 
hooting about it? I don't know. This isn't like a, well, I just need more time with her to resolve this properly kind of thing, is I it? know. I mean, it's really about making her do what you want to do. I mean, the greater good, though, is that she has more time with him, right? Yeah. So if he's thinking this is going to take more time to resolve or how whatever, I need to get over this before my mom dies. She's got to live longer. The trial's her best shot. That's why she's got to go. I know that's like far-fetched, but I but I can't, I agree with you. How do you leave therapy and think, you know what I should do? I should go berate my mom. <laughs> I should use this like blackmail against her and make her go against her will to have medical treatment. Because she has impaired cognition, so yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I mean, this seems like the right thing and what my therapist would sign off on as a healthy choice. I agree with you. This mm, It's got the Bobby Hill seal of approval. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So predictions. How quick are we going to get to this? So we are at number 17. We're going to... One more show. 18's over? Yeah. Uh, then she's not going to St. Louis, is she? No. Or we have to get like up to the doors of the clinic. Right. She like turns around and runs out. Yeah, there's not enough time. We The flash forward takes place in seven months, something like that, six months. So she can't have, have gone. She might have... She, not for the whole thing. Why are you saying seven months, six months? Because the flash forward's on their birthday. Okay, so that's September. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. I was trying to think about how the 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 for whatever reason Kevin's fiance being nine months pregnant and Barfy always comes back into my brain. There's some other things that are going to have to occur, but yeah. <laughs> no, in time frame, like I always based it on that time frame of nine months backwards from that. Mm. Like, so I was. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. It's their birthday, so we know it is. And also, we know very well that Rebecca's wandered off in that in that flash forward. So we know very well that she's not better. No. You know, I mean, the police are bringing her back, so... And kind of worse fast. Right. That's what makes me feel like that the trial goes bad. I, mean, I That's uh, the only thing I can think that, like, somehow maybe there's a side effect or something that it just, it actually speeds it along or something really... Because, boy, would that make you the most crazy, wouldn't it? What if you strong-armed your mom into going into it and it went... Bad? She was the percentage of the group that totally got the side effects and it, it wrecked it. I mean, that's worst case scenario, right? For sure. Definitely. So, oh, I got to think, you know, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Where are you putting your money? I think it gets head, head off right from the start in terms of like mom's booking a trip to St. Louis. We talked about that. You weren't going. Now I'm going. Why are you going? It's just that quick. You don't think that she'll even try to be like, well, you know, I really think I should give this a try. They, you think she covers for Randall for a little bit? If this were any other show. I would defend that and say, yep, you got one episode left. That's all you got. You got to make it happen. Okay. But this show has been willing to jump around in time mm. and, and, and say, okay, we've sped up the clock. Like at the end of last season, how they were, how they basically moved the clock forward so the baby could age a little bit yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that. Right. Maybe the clock does get sped forward here a little. Maybe, maybe. But but one of your scenarios is is probably very close. I feel it is. I feel I've laid it out like in the four possible choices of how this could go down. I, I My heart is going to break in half. Do you think we actually see Randall's breakdown in 18? I mean, I swear to God, everything we read, Sterling K. Brown said he's going to yeah. fall like you never saw him fall before, which means it's like already in the I, can and it's happened. I think Kevin, because Kate won't have the strength will say something akin to you're not even really in this family and you're not anymore or something like that. So something very like you can't take that back, <laughs> you know, like something yeah. something super ugly because he's already done some kind of ugly Yeah, things. well, I mean, there's been a lot of pushing, a lot yeah. of pushing. 
Oof. Well, this is going to be a big one. So we have our finale next week, number 18, big ass deal. And finally, we get the culmination of like all this stuff we've been wondering about this entire time. So I'm looking forward to it. Are you, Paul? Always, always. Awesome. Uh, this Is Us does not disappoint when it comes to those big episodes. So. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks a lot. Join us on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse. Come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters. Thanks for listening, pod people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks. Pod Clubhouse.